0: You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Susie and I were quipping a little bit about the role of women in ministry in the church, and that's been a long debated topic in churches. But I think no matter how you feel about that, we can all agree that women are the backbone of the church. And ladies, you bring a, a tremendous amount of energy. Uh, you bring relational aptitude that we as guys sometimes, most of the time, are lacking. You bring gentleness. You bring a ferocious work ethic. And we are just so fortunate to have you. As I look back uh, at my own life, and you probably share some of these experiences as a child, I remember many women that just poured themselves into me through Sunday school and And children's choir and and plays. And they weren't afraid to set you straight either. And I was in trouble all of the time. So I got to know these women really well. And I got on the bad side of some of them. Especially Mrs. Haynes. And many of you have your own Mrs. Haynes. But she rode me hard as I was growing up. And I'm thankful for that kind of guidance. You know, as the early church was being built in the first century, women were tremendously important to its success. And on this Mother's Day, I wanted to take just a brief moment and look at the life of one of those women and reflect on the gift that women are to the body of Christ. Because they are a marvelous gift. And for too long, in my opinion, in the church, Big C, the church, many women have been marginalized. We've heard horrific stories in the past few years about abuse that's taken place in the church. They've been treated as second-class citizens. And honestly, no matter what kind of leadership structure you have, that's not acceptable. And women are important, and they need to be appreciated. And I want to show our gratitude for you this morning. And I want to honor you, because you are so deeply loved, and are so important. And guys, we need to examine our hearts, and so we can create this kind of a place At Ridgewood, how do we treat the women in our lives? Are we treating people here at church with dignity and respect? Are we keeping our minds pure and our hearts pure so we're honoring women that we don't even know? And ladies, I want you to know that you are appreciated. So I hope you're encouraged by that, and I hope you are honored by that as you leave today. After all, when you think about it, and I've been pondering this all week, how would we get along how would we even function at all if it weren't for women? Where would we be without women? And so I want to go to the text this morning and show you how important women are, not only to the church, but to God. And there was one woman I want to look at in her life, and you can find this text in Acts 9, 36-43. So if you have a phone, a tablet... If you have a way to get there, download something, or open your Bibles, you can find it at Acts 9, 36 through 43. And this little passage gives us a glimpse of a woman who was invaluable to her community. She was one who cared about the poor. And we find her here in desperate circumstances, but God was watching out for her, God sent a messenger to her to do a miracle. And so in verse 36, she is introduced. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. So this was obviously a very special woman. Tabitha, by the way, is her Aramaic name. Dorcas is her translated Greek name. And she was noted for her generosity. She was noted for her charity. And as the narrative advances, it becomes quite obvious that she's an integral part of this community. She's an integral part of building the kingdom where she lives. And that leads me to my first point as we consider the desperate straits we would be in without the gift of women. And that is this, godly women carry out extraordinary acts of goodness. Godly women all around us are carrying out incredibly good things for people that we don't even know about most of the time. And in Tabitha's case, she was known to help the poor. Look at the second half of 39. Here we see that God was favoring her even though she was like in dire straits. And that's an understatement. She had died. But we also get a glimpse of her ministry. So in the second half of 39, all the widows stood beside him. That's Peter, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. So they're showing the things to Peter that she had made for them. This was the kind of woman she was. This was her Ministry And one of the ways that Tabitha apparently helped the poor was to make clothing for widows. And widows in the Bible were especially important to God. We look at Acts 6, for example. This is the chapter that many would associate with the beginning of the office of deacon. And what was happening is the apostles were becoming concerned that widows were being neglected in the distribution of food. And so they knew that their calling was to preach the gospel. So they got a bunch of guys together who they knew their reputation, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they became what is probably the first deacons to help the widows. And then in 1 Timothy 5, Paul is instructing Timothy about how to do church. And he commands Timothy to take care of widows who are really in need. Widows indeed. And these would be widows that didn't have families, widows that were on their own. And in that culture, if you are a woman who are on your own, you really couldn't make it. So God had his eye on these women all along. And this woman, Tabitha, was used by God to minister to them. She made clothing. She made all kinds of things. And again, we can look at this and we can marvel at the gift that women are to us. Because we've all been recipients of this kind of kindness that women bring to the table. And there are many women that you could think of when you go through Scripture, and I was kind of mulling this over, and a few of them came to mind. I thought of Ruth the Moabite, who followed her mother-in-law, Naomi, to Israel, devoted herself to the Lord, played a key role in stopping the destruction of Israel, and even propagated the line of David, which led to Messiah. God used a woman to enact his redemptive plan. I think of Deborah. She was the only female judge during the time of the judges over Israel, and she not only moved her nation toward God, but stamped out the evil players in the process. There's Miriam. Miriam was a prophetess, but she's better known for being the older sister of Moses. And you can make a case that she was responsible for inserting that love of God into her brother. In the New Testament, there's a woman named Priscilla, who along with her husband Aquila were very much involved with the early church, steering it toward theological purity, toward love for the poor, mentoring and growing leaders. And then there was Phoebe. Phoebe was a a deaconess. But she was also likely the bearer of Paul's epistle to the Romans. And the list could go on and on. But all of these women were used of God in significant ways to further the kingdom. And I think that's remarkable. And there's one woman that we can't just bypass. And that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here's a woman who was willing to give of herself humbly to have God do this amazing and strange plan in her life. And through Mary, the Father sent His Son into the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to to minister, to die on the cross, to pay for sin, to rise again and defeat death. And so those who would just simply put their faith in Jesus and those who would repent of their sins and accept forgiveness from God could be saved and have eternal life. And he used a teenage girl, likely a young teenage girl, in order to enact this plan. And he found a woman who was willing and able and that was Mary. And so through all of this time, God was using women in significant ways in order to move his kingdom forward. And that gives us a glimpse, at least, of how large and wonderful a gift women are to the church. We need to appreciate that. Women carry out extraordinary acts of goodness, and they are used to build the church. But here is another part of Tabitha's story that intrigues me, and it goes to the value of women in God's eyes. He sent Peter to raise her from the dead. And so it shows us that God values women and deeply loves each one. God values women and deeply loves each one. And we pick up this amazing narrative here in 937. And God looked with favor on Tabitha in a way that was just astounding. 37. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please, come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping. God valued tabitha so much that in his sovereignty he had peter stationed at leda which was only about 10 miles away and so when word came to peter he could come immediately and minister to this woman tabitha who was so important to this community and so he went to joppa which is now called Jaffa, and this is It sits on the Mediterranean Sea, and and the town is kind of behind us here. But I wanted to show you this because it has historical significance. This is the shoreline that Jonah would have sailed from on his ill-fated trip to Nineveh. If you looked to the right here, you would see Tel Aviv just down, jutting out about maybe five miles away. But this town has incredible significance because this is where everything began in the ministry to the Gentiles, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But this is where Tabitha was. God valued her. Peter valued her. They rushed to help her. And when he arrived, he saw people mourning her loss. She was definitely dead. But then God did a miracle. So look at 40 and 41. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body. She wasn't just asleep. She wasn't just sick. He turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Now, sometimes... We read these stories, and we just kind of gloss by them. That's nice. Look what's happening. This is a woman who was dead, being mourned over, and Peter comes, and through the power of God, raises her from the dead. This is the kind of power that God still has today. But yet we gloss over these things, and then when our little problems come, we think, well, God can't do that. God can't change that. He's raising people from the dead. Peter sent everyone out of the room. We're not sure why. It's not clear. But if you remember, when Jesus healed the daughter of this man named Jairus in Mark 5.40, he did the same thing. And she was only 12 years old. And he sent everyone out of the room and then raised her. And on his way to that event, another woman who had an infirmity for 12 years was healed by Jesus. Now whether there's a connection there, 12 years infirmity, 12 years old, I don't know, you can go to your Bible codes for that, but I will say that it does show that God cared about these women. God had time for these women. God stationed Peter there for her. And so it's very important that we understand how important this was and the miracle that happened. God saw her. God heard the prayers for her. God sent his number one guy, Peter, because he loved this woman. And ladies, I want you to know that I know that your role in life is difficult. I know that you struggle. I know there are things that happen that no one else knows. But I want to assure you that God hears you. God sees you. God knows you. God looks deep into your heart and soul. And even when it seems that everyone else is taking you for granted, even when it seems like everyone is just using you, God sees the depth of your heart and loves you deeply. Maybe you're a mother who's raising kids all day, and you're exhausted by night. And then you're back at it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. God sees and knows Maybe you're a woman who's taking care of grandchildren, and man, you're tired. You think to yourself, I'm too old for this. But you've made a commitment. You love those kids. God sees, God knows. Maybe you're the wife of a, a non believer, or you're, you're praying for a child, and you pray and you pray and you pray, and nothing ever seems to change. God hears you, you're working. You're being a mother. In this day and age, you're being a teacher. Because your kids are online. Which, by the way, if you have kids, there's serious questions as to whether that works or not. I can guarantee you that. But it's hard. And then you're shuttling people from one family event to another. It's not easy. But God is there with you. And maybe you're a single woman. Maybe you're recently widowed. Maybe you're recently divorced. And you're alone. And you look around and the church and culture is all based on couples and and marriage interactions. And you don't feel at all like you fit in. I just want you to be encouraged this morning that God has not forsaken you. That God is with you. That like these women in scripture, God ministers to you. Probably in ways that you don't even know at times. And so God is good and God cares about you. Do you remember when Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God and God had promised them a son? Sarah had laughed. She was so old. And they thought, you know, this isn't going to work. So we better connive our own plan. So they said, you know, this brilliant plan they came up with. Hey, why don't you just sleep with one of our slave girls? That'll solve the problem. So he did. And a son was born. And sure enough, Sarah became jealous and sent Hagar packing with Ishmael, son of that union. But even though Sarah had abandoned her, Sarah had forsaken her, Sarah had kicked her out. God didn't. God saw her. God met her at a spring in the desert. And God talked kindly to her. And loved on her because he saw the depths of issues she was dealing with. In fact, he even promised her that your son will also be the father of a great nation. And So God doesn't just throw you by the side of the road. He's there for you. And he values you. You are an amazing gift. We could not do church. We could not do our lives without you at the same level at all. I want to go back now and show you the result of this miracle because it's pretty amazing. Back to Tabitha in Acts 9. This miracle helped many to discover a true and saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So look at 42 and 43. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he, Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And this leads us to another important point regarding God's gift of women to the church. Godly women, they get people saved. And God uses them to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of this miracle, many believed in Jesus. And I have no doubt it was Tabitha's reputation. It was how they were depending on Tabitha, how much they loved Tabitha, that made this such an astounding event. And the word spread. And guess what? God used it to bring people into a deep relationship with Jesus. This is a a picture of the house that is still there today, the traditional site where Simon lived, where Peter would have lived after bringing Tabitha back to life. And here's what's significant about this. this. If this is the place, and when they say traditional, you kind of go, hmm, okay. If this is the spot, This is where the ministry of God to the Gentiles began. That's you and me. And so who was in the middle of all of that? It was Tabitha. Who did God raise from the dead in order to kick off Peter's ministry to the Gentiles? It was Tabitha. God loved her. God used her in amazing ways. And Peter stayed here and his ministry began. Women are a key part of God's evangelistic plan. I love in the book of Luke. In Luke, he records this little band of women that followed Jesus and that did amazing things to further his ministry. If you look at Luke 8, 1 through 3, soon afterward, he went through the cities and the villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And so these women were committed to Christ. They were following Jesus. They were giving to Him of what they had. And so metaphorically speaking, are you traveling with Jesus? Whether you're a woman, a man, or a child, are you walking with Christ? Are you following Him as a disciple? Are you giving Him all of yourself? These women were, and they're wonderful examples to us about how that can be done. And they were committed to the cause, and they were important, and Jesus valued them. So ladies, you are in part a part of an important legacy of women who have down through the ages, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, have been used by God to build his kingdom, to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ, to minister to others, like Tabitha who made clothes for widows, who God loved enough and saw enough to come and raise her from the dead. And God loves you at that kind of level. And he's going to use you too to meet Jesus, or to help others meet Jesus. But I also want you to know this. Ridgewood Church loves you. Ridgewood Church needs you. Ridgewood Church values you. And it's important that you understand that and know that. He is pleased with you. You are made in his image. And here's what I want Ridgewood to be for you. I want Ridgewood to be a place that is joyful for you. A place where you can serve and use your gifts. A place that you can be filled in your soul by being a part of. I want you to be fed here. I want you to to soak in the word of God here. Not just from the pulpit but from different Bible studies and community groups and and different things you're involved with. And then I want this to be a safe place for you. And that's really important to me because I have been horrified by the things I'm reading that are coming out at other churches that have been swept under the rug somehow by somebody. And so women became fearful of coming forward even though they were suffering abuse at home or even in the church. Let me make you a promise that if that happens to you and you come forward, that you will be taken seriously, you will be honored, and we will never sweep anything under the rug. We want this to be a safe place for you. And so if you're experiencing something like that, please tell someone. Please reach out for help. Because that is not okay. Never okay. And that's not what Ridgewood is all about. So that's what we want for you here. And, and the thing about this is that, and I want to leave you with this point, is that God cares about you. You are his precious child. And the way you function is the way God made you. He created you perfectly in his image. And I know at this time, Women are struggling in their roles. They're struggling with body image, all of this stuff. They're trying to be like everyone wants them to be. But you're created just like you are for a reason. And God has made you that way. And so don't try to be someone else. Just be yourself. The Bible tells us, yes, we have different roles in life, but we also... We also are created equal in the image of God and we share his likeness and we see this in Galatians 3:28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So don't ever doubt that the Lord has a plan for you. Don't ever let someone convince you that you are less than because you're a woman. You are an immeasurable and wonderful gift to the church. And when I look back at my own life, when I look back at what God has given me in Wendy, when I look back at what he's given to Ridgewood and how we've built this ministry over the past five years, I am incredibly grateful for the women that he's brought here to do that. And as I think about it, the more I understand it, We could not... Get along. We we couldn't function as a church without you. And so thank you, ladies, for everything that you do. Thank you for what you bring here. And what I'd like you to do, ladies, is just stand for a moment because I want to pray over you before we sing a song together. So just stand where you are. Guys, we are so fortunate to have these women in our midst. Why don't we just take a moment and tell them that we appreciate them? for who they are and what they bring here. Let me pray over you. God, I thank you for each one of these women. And I I don't know what's going on in each life. I do know that there are cultural things that are happening that are really difficult. And so I just pray, God, that you would speak to each one. Help each of these ladies to know how much you love them that even though there are longings in the depth of their souls that aren't being met yet, that you are still there and you're still walking alongside of them and you hear their prayers and you see their suffering and you share their joys and that they're never alone. And God, I pray that Ridgewood would be a safe place where they could thrive here and feel safe here. And know that they are a part of a ministry that is intent on preaching the gospel and going into our community and making you known. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for all these good gifts. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.